Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. And welcome back, everybody. It's 2.34 in Edmonton, 1.34 in Las Vegas. Uh, the Oilers' extra players on the ice right now on an optional day at T-Mobile Arena. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Guests on the show receive gift cards to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Roos Chris will be open Monday at 4 with the early start to the Oilers game from 4 until close, and then Tuesday through Sunday uh, from 5 until close each night. You can tell Chris and Chef Eltaft that Oilers Now sent you. Follow the sizzle to Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and welcome back to the show, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers uh, during the course of the playoffs here at 630 Chad, and uh, does about 65 games a year in NHL Hockey and Rogers, of course. Uh, that is Jack Michaels. Jack, how you doing? I'm good, Bob, and I think uh, we have history today on your show. I believe I would be the first guest ever to be reporting live from Hoover Dam. Is that where you are? That's where I am right now. How far is that from Vegas? Uh, not more than 40 minutes. Yeah, okay. it's actually a, it's actually a quick little jaunt out here. I think even you would enjoy it. Oh yeah. Now, was is that where was there not a plane crash back in the 50s over now, Hoover Dam is not in the Grand Canyon, is it? No, Grand Canyon is another four to five hours from here. Okay, this is well, uh, the I dam was... that kind of straddles the Arizona Nevada state line. So tell her. So what do you? What, so how did you end up going? Who's all there with you? Uh, I've got a buddy from Pennsylvania who's lived out here the last twenty or so years. You've met him before, Mark Ronella. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So he picked me up and we took a day trip out here, and it's yeah, beautiful for... and Thank, a way to the... decompress. Thanks for the invite, Jock. Well, I, you, you know, your duty's called. I mean, I yes. if I could ever, if you ever took a day off, and, and you never do, I mean, all I have to do is listen to your program to know that. Uh, you know, you're you're just, you're the hardest working man. And so, you know, I allow me to, allow, to take you on these sojourns. Yes, allow me to be the first to tell you that I'm the hardest working man. All right, with all seriousness, so explain to maybe your educator listeners the significance of Hoover Dam, because it's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, it was it was one of the kind of it was one of the last projects that got underway before the New Deal and uh, the, the the process by which America started crawling out of the Great Depression. And in fact, it was originally called Boulder Dam and 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 named after Hubert Hoover, Herbert Hoover, the president who immediately preceded Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I'm sure this project would be much more well well received by the Hoover family because the other thing he was known for was Hooverville, uh, which was not a complimentary situation. As you know, that was uh, a lot of the tenement camps that had to be set up with the with the country and the grips of the Great Depression. So it's it's a magnificent structure. It's it's I mean it's and it's carved out of you know a mountain basically. So it's 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 quite scenic, and I just felt like it was a perfect day. To to come out here and and just uh, enjoy a little nature and enjoy my surroundings and then you know get back at it along with the rest of the hockey club. I imagine a full practice uh, coming tomorrow yes. with the matinee, a late matinee, admittedly uh, set for Saturday. So uh, you know, it, 
as I was as I was telling Mark on the way up here, you know, you're you're bound to lose sometime. Uh, the NHL is too good of a league for you to go more than two months without a regulation loss in yeah. most instances. So, you know, it's 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 game one to Vegas. Uh, but the Oilers, you know, as you know, three of the last four times they've dropped a game one, they've rallied to win the series. So uh, it, they, well, there's a reason it's a best of seven. I, as you know, I can be a, a little bit, you know, we both want to see the team win. That's a given. We're employed by the Oilers Entertainment Group. I recall 3-1 game two against Calgary last year, Jack. I was not particularly optimistic after the 9-6 loss. And you said, I have no worries. They've got to Markstrom, and they did. Uh, so uh, we'll see. And, and now that said, against LA, I, both times that Edmonton lost the opening game of the series, I still thought, hey, the Oilers can win this series. With all due respect to, to Todd McClellan and the Kings, so let's get to last night's game. Uh, was it a byproduct of just a completely different system, a way better forecheck, a deeper roster? What do you think were the principal things that undermined the Oilers' success in last night's game, Jock? Well, I think Vegas was just slightly uh, more crisp offensively uh, coming off a layoff, to be honest with you. I mean, Vegas was six days off. Edmonton was four days off. I think both teams struggled with defensive reads. I thought the Oilers uh, were worse playing defense off the rush than Vegas, quite frankly. I mean, I just thought Edmonton had had a tough night, not as sharp as maybe the Oilers would have been, you know, had they had they kind of rolled into the next series. So Vegas did a better job of, of adjusting coming off a six-day layoff, and they were better off the rush offensively than Edmonton, and they were better off the rush defensively than Edmonton. I think it was a case of, of the Golden Knights just being a little bit sharper. But the reason I, I kind of shrug off the game one loss is, is not because of a layoff, because, again, Vegas had the same thing, in fact, a, a greater layoff. But I didn't think Vegas locked it down. That's not a recipe for the Golden Knights to win this series, uh, winning a, a bunch of 6-4 games. That's not going to work in Vegas's favor. And, in fact, it's interesting you bring up the game one loss to Calgary. If the Flames had closed out the Oilers that night, let's say 7-2, or, or something along those lines, where the Oilers didn't get to Markstrom, I would have felt a lot differently about the rest of the series. But I saw something in game one where Edmonton got to Jacob Markstrom and, and got to him in a big way, and it continued for the rest of the series. And I would tell you the same thing. You know, it's not like Vegas, even when they got up 5-3, if they close that out and get an empty netter to finish 6-3, I might be a little bit more concerned, but they didn't. And, in fact, they had trouble containing Edmonton's chances. The Oilers had some good looks in that third period. The third period was Edmonton's best, even though they gave up the two goals, including the game winner, in 50 seconds. I still think the third period was Edmonton's best. And so if Vegas can't do what it's done all year long to have success, and that's closeout games without difficulty, then I think it's not a long-term recipe for them. So, yes, game one to Vegas, but I don't think Bruce Cassidy is turning cartwheels about how his club played defensively. And like Jacob Markstrom last year, I don't think Laurent Brassois was lights out, 15 shots through two periods. Good luck maintaining that against Edmonton over the course of the series. 
Jack, what was more surprising, that Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals or that he wasn't selected to start last night's game, not that Dreisaitl cares. But that's a little strange when you see a guy with a four-goal game in what was really a 5-4 game not get a start. Yeah, it's it's only once every three years, I think, that a, that a guy gets a four-goal game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think he was the 35th different player to get four in a playoff game. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I was, I was a little shocked that he didn't get a star. But I, I will say this, uh, nothing surprises me when it comes to Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid's big game performances. It, it really is a situation where – you know, when you, when you keep seeing numbers and comparables and you have Drysaddle second and McDavid fourth in pretty much any category you want to you wanna come up with, I mean, not all time, but in terms of points per game, goals per game, I mean, they're on their way to two of the most magnificent playoff careers in the history of the game. And Leon Dreisaitl in particular has elevated his game in the playoffs routinely. He had a, you know, a hat trick to save Edmonton season in game six against Anaheim in 2017. And on one leg, and I'm not taking anything away from what McDavid did. He had 33 points, but McDavid, but Dreisaitl had about 25 of his 32 on one leg. I mean, he's just a, a tremendous player. I I appreciate his post game reaction. He was very quick to dismiss his four goals, and and you know what? I, I I think he would have said, "Why do I get a star? My team didn't win the game." And I think that's the kind of attitude that has served Edmonton so well. I, this is a team where truly their star players are fed up with talking about their numbers. The only number they care about is sixteen, and right yes. now Edmonton is twelve wins away from sixteen. All right. Uh, do you look at any changes? We didn't see Vincent Day the second time in the playoffs that Vincent DeHarnay's been, you know, play. Let's face it, he struggled a bit, and you could argue played himself out of the rotation. I thought Broberg did a pretty good job. We saw Broberg play one of his best games ever here in Vegas back in November of 2021. Do you go 12 and 6? Do you have to kind of match that depth? And do you look at, you know, either inserting Shore or Holloway in the lineup? And here's where we mentioned that Derek Ryan was on the ice for the OPT today. Well, and, and the other thing is you you wonder about Matthias Yanmark's availability and, and whether he's, you know, an option for, you know, Saturday's game game two. We don't know that yet. So I think if Yanmark is available and an option, I think he'll be in the lineup. I really do. The Oilers would like to get him up and running. He's another penalty killer. He's another guy with some muscle that can combat uh, Vegas's bottom six, and he's another guy like Bugstad that you could elevate into the top six if other guys are struggling. So that's why I think Matthias Yanmark will play if he's available. If he's not, then some of the options you talk about become available, including the potential of going 11-7 and seven and just changing it a little bit where now it's Kulak and Broberg, and then you see what Dayarnay's got. And now he's the supplementary player who, who, who might play like Broberg did when Dayarnay was playing well, where, where Dayarnay might get five or six shifts, and maybe he's designated penalty killer in that situation. That still gives you the flexibility of going 11-7, and seven, tinkering with some combinations, trying to keep Vegas off balance as much as you can with them having the last chance. 
Jack Michaels joining us right now from Hoover Dam. Bob Stoffer in uh, T-Mobile Arena. The Oilers just wrapping up an optional practice as we speak. It's 2.45 at Edmonton. Jack, what's been the best moment of this season for you doing play? Like, was there one moment that stood out so far? Well, that's a real interesting question you asked there. I I wasn't anticipating that question. I, I think it's I think, to be honest with you, it's it's closing out Los Angeles. I, I think uh, the fact the Oilers were able to to win that that wild of a game with the ebbs and flows of that particular game, the depth of its lineup rising up at just the right time, a guy who had really struggled in the entire series, coming up with the game-winning goal and making a winner out of Stuart Skinner, who had had that you know kind of catastrophic catastrophically bad break in his stick, both literally and figuratively. And again, part of the reason I say that is uh, this team's goal and and closing out a series where they really were kind of lingering. You know, so so game four and game six against Los Angeles and then I go right back to New York City. Uh, Those those are the moments that, that stick out and the moment I'm you know, referring to in New York City just as a refresher, uh, may not remember U.S. Thanksgiving. I think, you know, going home under 500, having get gotten swept in the New York metro area, that would have really ratcheted up some early season pressure on Edmonton. I, I think that was a, a bit of a regular season defining moment as well. And I know the at home trade and all that stuff, but early on, that was a real crisis point for Edmonton and it came through. So those are the three that off the top of my head uh, with no real time to think about it immediately come to mind and again the focus for me and, and probably you as well is you know it's it's no longer nice to get to the postseason now you want to see what this team can do and how cheap they can go and I, I'm, not, I'm not taking it for granted because it's hard to get into the tournament but I remember something that Ken Holland said in order to have a chance at a Stanley Cup you've got to give yourself multiple chances and the Oilers have done that over the last four years. Yeah, there's no question and obviously they've been a better team the last couple of years and Jay Woodcroft with one of the best records and he constantly credits the players one of the best records through the first 100 uh, uh, coach games in the NHL of of, of any head coach over the last 45 years. You were the guy that dug up the stat on uh, Tom Johnson. I, I I got another curveball for you, though. Totally as an aside. Uh, what did you think of Aaron? You know, we, we know you're a big football fan. What did you think of Aaron Rodgers uh, going to the New York Jets? <laughs> well, I think it's nice to give the Jets fans some hope. As you know, one of my very best friends in the world, Martin McGrath, another guy you've met, uh, who sometimes brings his boys up to the, the press box at New York City at Madison Square Garden when we're there. Uh, he's a huge Jet fan. I enjoy tormenting him. And I will say to you that, you know, being a Cleveland Browns fan, trust me, he can come back at me. But I'm not worried uh, about the Jets uh, taking the next step with Aaron Rodgers. We'll just All leave right. it at that. All right. Great stuff. Uh, we'll see you in about four hours. Yeah, it sounds good, Bob. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That is Jack Michaels joining us on uh, the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline from Hoover Dam. <laughs> you never know where people are. Uh, Bob Stoffer with you. on. Uh, I know where Jack's going to be about 6.30 tonight. I can tell you that because we've already got plans. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a quick timeout. Welcome back, everybody. 2.52 in Edmonton.
We talk about Brentridge Ford and their presence awards for customer satisfaction, their full transparency and customer care after the purchase. Another big factor in the success of Brentridge Ford in Wetasco and where cars cost less, like any great franchise, is stability. And here are some legacy-level stats. The parts manager, Ricky, started back in 92. That's 1992. General manager, Rich, in 1994. Brent Ridge Ford has had the same owner since 1987. And I can tell you from personal experience, the whole Brent Ridge Ford staff is committed to ensuring your customer experience is a positive one. Brent Ridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetasquin. All right, I mentioned it earlier in the show. We... We're going to go to Listing Oilers History for New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com, and here is Brendan Escott. Yeah, 1998 will venture back to when Curtis Joseph continued a shutout streak, backstopping a 31-save shutout as the Oilers downed Colorado 4-0 on the road in Game 7 of their opening round playoff series. Yanni Needham had the game-winning goal less than five minutes into the first period, I guess so, and it was is that the game that he had that incredible stick save diving back toward the yep. goal? How about uh, just Cujo outdueling Patrick Waugh? That was the big thing for me. Like, Patty Waugh was uh, the least modest man in hockey at that time. Cujo was just a down-to-earth guy. He'd gone through a tough childhood. And uh, I was so happy for him. He was such a great guy. Unfortunately, the owners ended up losing him that summer. They couldn't afford him carrying forward. He was a, a wonderful uh, he is a wonderful person. All right. Uh, Reed Wilkins says inside sports night from 6 to 8. What's he got shaking? You'll hear from uh, Luke Gazdick from NHL Hockey on Rogers analyzing the games. We out of a, a pretty good show coming up for you tomorrow. Uh, courtesy of Abe's Door Service from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Elliot Friedman. From Daily Faceoff for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, reminder that uh, live racing starts at Century Mile Saturday, where you can watch and wager on the Kentucky Derby as well, out at Century Mile. Cam Moon will join us. And John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. That much, much more. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Chelsea on Ched with Chelsea Bird. So long, everybody, from T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Back at you tomorrow at noon.